together. I am Matt Anderson and so glad you can join us for this episode. If you are listening to me on Apple iTunes, I would definitely appreciate a five-star rating and review and is a great help to us. One of my personal pitfalls, and there are many, is that I tend to overanalyze situations. Um, My particular personality type can get caught in analysis paralysis, as some say. Um, I'm the kind of guy that I love solving things. I love puzzles. I love uh, figuring things out. And what I can do sometimes is get into that mode in my life to such a level that I'm not moving. And I'm almost scared to make another move until I can get it all figured out. So when I decided to start this podcast earlier this year, I was talking to my best friend and I told him that I just wanted this to be fun. And I didn't want to get lost in numbers and statistics and analytics. And sometimes people will ask me questions about how's the show doing? And I'll say, I really don't know. <laughs> the only reason is because that kind of stuff I can really obsess over. And it can send me into all kinds of bad directions, especially if the numbers go down or if they're not what I hoped for or expected. Um, so from, from that point on, every, you know, every once in a while, he will ask me when we're speaking to each other, he'll say, so is it still fun? And I think I wanted to ask that question of all of you creatives out there today. Um, it was cool when I worked in the uh, sort of the executive church world. Um, <clears throat> the gentleman who was our superintendent, he would be talking to pastors in our state. And while they were talking about challenges that they had, often he would stop and say, but are you having fun? And sometimes we can get so lost in the weeds in our jobs and in our calling that it kind of stops being fun. And we feel like we have to choose between work and play uh, because even just conversationally, we tend to separate those two. But maybe it's supposed to be a both and instead of an either or. Um, As I drive for a rideshare service, sometimes I'll be driving someone from the airport who's just flown in and I'll ask them, are you here for business or just for fun? You know, so we, we often uh, separate those two. And, and I get it. it. You know, we don't want to be workaholics. And uh, we just live to work, work, work and never have any fun. But isn't it interesting how we do that? We do make work and play in either or. Um, and so creatively, it's almost as if we're, we're either at play or at work, but it can't be both. And yep, I get it. Creativity is definitely work. Uh, Mentally and emotionally. It it really may be the hardest work that one can do in those areas. Um, With all deference to people who do manual labor and 
you know, we, we don't hold the candle to you. Uh, but keep in mind, um, although he did it more as an example for us than from fatigue, but God rested after creating for six days. There must be something to that because creating can become not fun if we're not careful. And we also know that as artists that we can, um, we, we almost wait for that moment when we feel inspired to create. Um, but we can't wait for that because it will rarely happen. It is so difficult to shut out the noise of this world and all the challenges that we're going through and all the baggage piled up in our brain that if we're waiting until we feel inspired to create, it's not going to happen. Um, inspiration is definitely fun when that happens and perspiration is definitely work, but I don't think work and play need to be mutually exclusive. So here's how creativity goes for me. Um, it's almost in that situation when your car, either it's, you know, it's broken down or it's stopped for some reason. And so you have to physically push the car somewhere. And uh, so you put the car in neutral. And if you've ever done that, uh, you know, it's always difficult at first to get that you know, that first little thing. Uh, <laughs> I remember as a, when I was an intern at a church, uh, the pastor had me fill up the church van with gas and it was like empty as empty could be. And I got in the middle of this four lane road and suddenly, you know, we didn't make it to the, to the uh, gas station and it, it pootered out right there in the middle. And as a not so smart 20 year old, I've just put the car in neutral and I got in front of the van and just was, you know, trying to be Superman here and getting that initial. And sometimes you kind of have to rock it a little bit and then just, ugh, and then you get that first little movement and then it can start to move on its own momentum. Um, initially in creativity, I kind of have to grunt and growl and push to get anything moving. I would love to say it's so glorious, you know, and there's this angelic visit that lays out uh, my next podcast or my next book. But when I invest that sweat equity into just getting started, into getting that initial thing, uh, then the play kicks in. Uh, have you found that to be true, artists, that once you get started and in the process, suddenly things come to you, then the inspiration comes. So it's sort of a cart and horse thing. And, and too often we wait for the inspiration to kick in before the work begins. But what I have found is when the work begins, the inspiration follows. And then suddenly uh, it, it's a lot more fun. It's still work, uh, but it's definitely uh, we're not pushing the tranquilized elephant. We'll put it that way. Um, our minds start to travel a little further down the road and we're suddenly given ideas uh, as the ideas start to move. So, um, and some more than others, but that's just the norm for me at least. Once I decide to get started, once I decide to discipline myself and work, something then clicks and I can feel some artistic momentum and then it becomes fun. I get it. Most artistic work is kind of slug it out. 
at least at first. And again, I'm not talking about being a workaholic and throwing ourselves so much into our work that we ignore our vital relationships and responsibilities. Um, And I'm not talking about playing to the point of distraction from our work either. The only question I'm asking you is the one that is asked of me. Is it still fun? Are you still enjoying this? I, I, I know sometimes it's not the easiest, but is it still fun? If it isn't, maybe it's time to address our work and play once again. Dr. Anthony Fauci, director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases and smartest person in the world. I wanted to take a moment to wish all my fellow Americans a happy Thanksgiving, even though I'm determined for it to not be very happy. As you may have heard, I'm recommending that families not get together this holiday for their usual feast and giving of thanks due to the risk of contracting COVID-19. I know it's easy to dismiss such a recommendation, so I wanted to give this public service announcement as a way of making alternative suggestions for the holiday. First, rather than gathering in one house around one table, perhaps consider a Zoom Thanksgiving with each member of the Zoom call preparing one element of the Thanksgiving meal. Of course, that means only one home gets turkey, another only gets stuffing, and another only gets mashed potatoes. So my recommendation would be that the heaviest person in the family gets the green beans and thus stay away from needless carbohydrates and extra pounds on their waistline. It's not only healthier, but a stealth way of telling a family member he's too fat. Secondly, instead of watching the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, perhaps have the kids or other family members pretend to be recording artists performing live. Besides, they only lip sync anyway, so this shouldn't be difficult to duplicate. And since the usual inflatables will not be on display, ask the aforementioned fattest member of the family to balance themselves horizontally on a chair, perhaps in costume, to create a similar effect. This family fatty can also be Santa Claus at the end of the parade. Thirdly, Under no conditions is grandma to be allowed out of the nursing home to attend. It's important that she remain as isolated and free from vital emotional human contact as possible. In other words, loneliness, schmoneliness. And fourthly, take time as a family to offer thanks for important things in our lives, 
like masks that we can wear everywhere, in the mall, in the car, and even in the shower. Or be thankful that you have people like me to light your path during this dark time. And don't forget the exhilaration of watching pro football with hundreds of fans in attendance. Please do not despair. We will get through this pandemic together after about five years or so. We're all in this together, except if you don't wear a mask, in which case you should be charged with a felony and face significant jail time with a hefty fine. And in that spirit of love, I wish you all a wonderful Thanksgiving. All 20 members of my family meeting at my home will have all of you in our thoughts. So I want to give a shout out to another podcast I was listening to recently. Um, and the speaker on the podcast was uh, Josh Morris. And his his dad is uh, Robert Morris, the founder and pastor of Gateway Church in Dallas, which is one of America's largest churches. But in this message I was listening to on joy, he made a link between two items that I personally had never connected before. And since I've heard it, I've been pondering it ever since. Because this really goes to the sense of our work being fun or joyful. And the two things he connected were joy and innocence. And I, I guess it's just something I've never um, purposely done in my mind. I mean, there's certainly nothing wrong with innocence. It's something that we would all love to strive for it. And uh, I don't know why I didn't ever connect that, but the more I thought about it, the more sense it made to me. That connection between joy and innocence. Now, I've probably lost a lot of you already because innocence feels like a word that, <laughs> that's a train that left the station a decade or two ago. Um. In fact, when I first heard it, I thought about how, how jaded and calloused I have become, how cynical I tend to be. Uh, I, I've known too much. I have seen too much. I've heard too much. I've experienced too much of this life. I feel like I'm damaged goods. How about you? I can easily look at the mistakes of my life. I can look at just the, the hardness from encountering the reality of life, and I, I I, I doubt many people, if you were to describe yourself, would say, I'm so innocent. <laughs> we would say, oh, so pride's an issue with you. Uh, <clears throat> so I think we just dismiss that word innocence because we think, ah, oh, that was us when we were babies, you know, but not so much now. 
um, sometimes I feel like I, <laughs> I'm calloused almost at a uh, Mexican drug cartel lord uh, level of callousness. You get so used to things not moving you and affecting you. And look at 2020, folks. Heaven's sakes. When you look at, when you look at uh, the pandemic, when you look at racial unrest, when you look at uh, a wild presidential election, and there's so many other things in between those that we can mention. I mean, right now, seriously, some, some purple guy could show up and say, I am from Pluto, and be like, oh, hey, what's up? I mean, we're also, it feels like we're all so jaded after the events of this year and from years before that we just, you know, we just think, okay, innocence is just, it's, you know, it's left the harbor and it's halfway around the world by now. So let's find another thing. But I I want to, um, I want to make an appeal to you to not dismiss innocence because theologically, if we really believe this gospel thing, then justification has to mean something. And you and I get so caught up in what we're doing, what we're thinking, um, what we're believing. And yes, those things are important, but we so quickly forget the work that Jesus has done as we have trusted him, as we have believed in him and uh, in his Uh, life and death and resurrection and ascension. Part of that is that we have been justified, that we have been cloaked, we've been cloaked with his righteousness. So that when the Lord looks upon us, he's not necessarily seeing what you and I are seeing about ourselves. Because I keep thinking back to 20 years ago, or I think back to three months ago, or I think back to last week, at all the reasons why I'm not innocent. But justification reminds me that I've been transformed and that the Lord doesn't see me that way. He sees me as innocent. And think about this. Man, grab onto this today. There's a difference between being not guilty and innocent. And I mean that in our American legal system. You know, we we all know of situations where somebody... Uh, was being tried for murder, and they will use the phrase, they got off on a technicality, and like their confession gets thrown out, and suddenly there's nothing left to hold them, and so they're released, and uh, and how that really angers us. And technically, they'll be not guilty, or uh, someone will actually go through the trial, and a jury will find them not guilty, even though on, in our eyes, they're as guilty as sin. And we'll look at them and we'll be like, oh man, you got lucky. Innocent means they truly never did a thing. And we've all heard stories of that too. People incarcerated who literally were innocent. Wrong place, wrong time, wrong something. There is a difference between being not guilty and innocent. And I want you to know, my friends, that when God looks upon you, He doesn't look at you as someone who got off on a technicality. He does not look at you the way humans do. He does not say, oh yeah, I know your story. I know what's going on. You are so lucky. He looks upon you with innocence. 
And I believe that you and I have to recapture our innocence in Christ. We have to remember, not because we're such angelic creatures, because we're not, but because of the perfect, finished work of Jesus Christ in our life. We focus on what He has done. Now, we don't take advantage of that and see, gee, let's see how much I can sin so that grace may abound. You know, Paul addressed that in Romans 6. It's just that understanding. I don't have to look at myself as damaged goods. And from that innocence, I can be joyful because now I'm not looking anymore at what I'm working on or what I'm producing or how many followers or how many clicks, how many likes, how many shares I'm getting, how many subscribers I'm getting, how many showings I'm getting. I'm only looking at this through the eyes of God the Father, noticing that I am cloaked with his robe of righteousness. And he sees me and we're innocent. Boy, that's where joy comes from. So lately I've been praying, Lord, restore my innocence. Now look, in God's eyes, it's restored. But I mean, in my own belief of it, that my belief will become aligned with his work. And that I will recognize that I am innocent. I thought of it this way. I thought about a, a child with a who decides to color something. He has a little, like a little page, you know, a picture of like an elephant. And he or she decides they're going to, they're going to color it. Right. And (laughs) uh, if you're like me, you're like, we will stay in the lines at all times. And, uh, but even still, you know, it wasn't magnificent work. It was, it was just, you know, me filling in spaces. And then you get the kid who just doesn't care. He's like Picasso. And he's like, he's all over the place. It's all over the page, all these wild colors. And, uh, and regardless, when you take that page and you're a kid and you present it to your parents, you present it to your mom or your dad, you're like, look, look. And we, we all know what happens next. Mom or dad take a look at it and they say, oh, this is wonderful. Well, we, we've got to put this up on the fridge. And so they get a magnet and they put it on the refrigerator door. And there it is proudly displayed. And we look at it we're like, yeah, I did that. I think that's the innocence as artists that God wants us to have. And maybe we artists, if we're not careful, we start doing all this for the wrong people. And yeah, we want an audience and we we want to move people, but maybe we do it to the neglect of the one who is so much easier to please. Do you realize that when you're creating and making something, it's still the same deal. When you finish, I pray that you present it to the Lord before you present it to a human audience. And you know what the Lord does when we finish? He goes, oh. This is wonderful. Well, I've, I've got to put this up on the fridge. And God takes what we create and he puts it on the fridge because he's so proud of us and, and proud of what we've done for his glory. He's the one who takes what we make with all of our heart and for his glory. And out of that, that sense of I'm proud of them, puts it up on the fridge to display what his child has done. I don't know about you, but I think that's a God worth serving and praising. 
Maybe that's the key to making this fun again. Rather than thinking that we have to achieve some level of fame and fortune, but we're doing it for him. And recognizing that when we finish, in fact, even while we're in it, he is there saying, oh, that's wonderful. I pray it's still fun. If not, hopefully it's time to reconnect your innocence and your joy in order to get there again. Well, we appreciate you being a part of the Matcast. Our theme music is by Sound of Fusion. We hope to see you again soon. This has been a production of Monumental Ministries. For more information about our books or resources, go to mattministry.com. Hey, thanks for having me over. I had a wonderful time. Ooh.